us pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. Um, We're all here because of you. We're not interested in the eloquence of man. Uh, We're interested in the power of God. So, Father, uh, we ask for revelation this morning uh, through the operation of the Holy Spirit. Help us see what we haven't seen, that we may become what you see. Uh, Holy Father, uh, thank you for utterance. Thank you for insight. Thank you for uh, revelation and understanding. We give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we live in an interesting time. You know, the Bible says that as the church of Jesus, it is important that we understand the time in which we live. The Bible says, arise and shine for your light has come. Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Uh, It it says that uh, darkness is coming over the earth and gross darkness the people. But for us, our destiny is different. We are destined in this time to be light in the midst of darkness. Not so that we can say how great we are, but so that we can lead people to the light which is Christ. Amen. So like never before, uh, this is the day and this is the time for the body of Christ to provide solutions uh, to problems that uh, persist in the world today. Amen. So we are the light. Everyone say we are the light. Hallelujah. This is a time of darkness, but thank God we are the hope of the world because the Bible says that we are the light of the world. Amen. So we have been talking about grace and talking about the power of God's grace made available to his people. And uh, we're continuing that series today. If this is your first time in our church, um, uh, you can make it a second time and a third time. But if this is your first time, don't worry, we have all the messages available online at highlifechurch.com and uh, they're available for free. You can listen to the audio and the video. Hallelujah. So uh, it's important that you catch up with us because this is a very important, important series. You know, the Bible says in the book of uh, Psalms, chapter 33, verse 8, it says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke And it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. So he's talking about how God created the world. He says he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Well, another verse in, uh, if you look at Psalm 148 verse 5, it says something similar. It says, let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Speaking again about creation. We know that the things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. So God spoke and it was created. You know there's a very big difference between a picture or a photograph and an x-ray. A photograph will give you, uh, will show you what's happening on the outside, but an an x-ray will give you more detail. There is more to you than meets the eye. Is that not true? Yeah, when you sit on an x-ray machine, we see the organs, we see your bone structure, etc. So even though we know that God created the world by his word, when we look behind the scene, when we take the x-ray of that, we see that something a lot more happened 
uh, in the speaking of the word. And we see that in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 19. Look at Proverbs 3, 19. It says, the Lord by wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. It says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. Hallelujah. So as he spoke, he was not just speaking random words. There was something back in his words. He had a clear picture through knowledge, understanding, and wisdom uh, concerning how... Uh, what's the end result was going to be. Are you with me? Uh, time would not permit me to go into the science of creation. Uh, we've even alluded to it on previous messages. The, the way in which the world is created with such balance. Do you know that if we were any closer, if the earth was any closer to the sun than it currently is, uh, there will be no life here at all? Do you know that uh, the temperature will be so hot that it would not support life? Do you know if we're any farther away from the sun, it will be arid land? Do you know that, I mean, if you study, if you just look into science, you will see how everything is created with such intricate balance. Hallelujah. So when he said, let there be light, he wasn't just saying. He, there was uh, investigation. There was knowledge, understanding, and wisdom behind it. There weren't empty words. Now, why am I talking about God and creation? You know, in Mark eleven twenty two, you know, Mark 11 is the great chapter of faith. Mark eleven twenty three talks about creation. It says, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it, and you shall have it. We, we know that for, for us to create things, we must believe in our heart and speak words. Amen. Your words are important. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat its fruit thereof. If you feel that your words are not working for you, you are right. Because they are actually working for you. Okay, you might get that when you get home. So we know that our words are important. And we have spent months uh, breaking that down. But in Mark eleven twenty two, when Jesus introduced how you and I can create our world, he said, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. The Message Bible translation of that verse says, embrace the God life, really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. Embrace the God life. Everyone say embrace the God life. Now, now from what we have explained so far, about how God created, we, we, need to, we know that um, there was knowledge, understanding, and wisdom involved. So if you and I are to embrace the God life and walk in the creative power that God has given humanity, there is knowledge, understanding, and wisdom that you and I must have. 
it, it is not just about speaking words. There is an operational paradigm to these things. There is a way it works that requires what? Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. There's certain knowledge you must have. There is certain understanding. There's certain insight you have to have into those facts. And then there is a right application of that insight. And when that application is applied correctly, you will release the power that God has hidden in every human being. Embrace the God life. Really embrace it. You know, in the book of Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. You know, say to your neighbor, you need some wisdom. He says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. It's not saying you shouldn't speak words. But, but there is a wisdom that you need. He says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Verse 8 says, exalt her, that is wisdom, and she will promote you. She will bring you to honor if you embrace her. There is a wisdom we must have. There is an understanding we must have. There is certain knowledge we must have to be light in the midst of darkness. You know, the times are past where saying that we are the light of the world is merely a confession. Aren't you tired of that? Jesus did not confess that he was the light of the world. He demonstrated that he was the light of the world. We ought to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and making the confession without experiencing the reality. But there's certain knowledge we must have. There's certain understanding we must have. There's certain wisdom we must have. And when we do, it will release who we are, which is the light. All right, say to your neighbor, I am the light of the world. The wisdom that unlocks the power of God in our lives. In Romans chapter 4, in verse 1, it says concerning Abraham, that Abraham discovered certain things about God and about how life through this walk, you discover certain things about life. You know, one thing Abraham discovered was that the word of God is what brings definition into your life. It is what defines reality. Because his name was Abraham, he had been impotent for so many years, 99 years. His wife had been barren all her life. But in uh, Romans 4.17, the Bible says, as it is written... I have made you the father of many nations. So, so God said to Abraham, and, and, and they wrote it down, and it was documented in the book of Genesis. But God said to Abraham, he said, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And when Abraham received the word, he entered into that reality, did he not? So when God speaks a word, that word in itself is creative and it gives definition to things. When did uh, Abraham become the father of many nations? When God said so. Because the word of God gives definition. Everyone say the word of God gives definition. Or say it again, the word of God gives definition. In Genesis 1.28, when God created humanity, he spoke certain words over human beings. Now, now we know that those words gave definition. God's word gives definition. Now, now you and I were in the loins of Adam when he spoke those words. 
Yeah, God does not need to speak to you because he has already spoken to you. You and I were in Adam. Like Abraham, who is facing or who was facing an impossible situation, we need to go back to the definition that God has given us in his spoken word. So God stood over humanity. If you read Genesis 1 very well, he says he created them um, male and female and he blessed them. It is that he created them man and woman. He created them male and female. Hallelujah. I, I believe that he was speaking over Adam and Eve, but through Adam and Eve, he was speaking to all humanity. And this is what God said. He said, be fruitful and multiply. You know, I need you to understand this. God does not give advice. He gives definition. So when he said, be fruitful, he wasn't giving us advice. He was telling us who we are. He was saying, fruitful you are. He said, fruitful you are. You multiply. You fill the earth. You have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Everyone say, fruitful I am. He defined you as fruitful. So when he spoke those words, every particle, every quantum particle in your body at whatever level, Every quark and quasi and lepton, whatever it is, received life from the word he spoke. The environment around you received the power of God destined for your fruitfulness. He said, fruitful you are. Fruitful you are. That word has defined you as far as God is concerned. His power in that word has made available to you everything you need. His power, called grace, in that word has released to you everything you need. For he says, fruitful you are. You know, the wisdom we need to release us into who we are comes by revelation. Because, you know, with everything God does, there is a knowledge, understanding, and wisdom that is required to release the power in the thing he has made. We have already established that. But that, revel that wisdom comes by revelation. And that is why the New Testament, all the apostolic prayers are just asking for revelation. They're not asking for power. They're asking for what? Revelation. The Apostle Paul says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom. And what? Revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be opened. What is that? Re revelation. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Revelation. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Revelation. That you may know the exceeding greatness of his power toward you to believe. Revelation. Revelation is always an unveiling of what is already there. Revelation doesn't bring new stuff. Revelation just unveils what is there. Revelation always unveils what is already there. God says you are fruitful, but you need wisdom to connect with it. And this wisdom is received by revelation. We need an unveiling of what is already there. When the Lord brings revelation, he comes to show us what he has already provided by his grace. The one who loves you with an everlasting love provided all you need before the world began. The, world, the one who loves you with an everlasting love provided all you need before the world began. Turn your Bible to the book of Exodus chapter 4. And let us read um, a couple of verses from there. I believe that this passage 
really provides a template that we can walk through or walk in. This is about Moses. Moses, as we know, had, um, had left Egypt. He had run away in terror. He was now working for his uh, father-in-law, Jethro, uh, which at best is a very dodgy situation, you know, when you're working for your father-in-law. Now, if you're working for your father-in-law today and you're happy with it, you are the exception. So he was working for Jethro. His dreams hadn't come to pass. Moses' dreams hadn't come to pass because years before, he believed that he was called to do great things, but he tried and failed. But if you look at Exodus chapter 4, in chapter 3, we we see what happens. He's on the backside of the desert, and he sees a a bush burning that is not consumed, and um, he turns aside, and the Lord begins to speak to him. And the Lord gives him revelation about who he was. He said, Moses, I've called you to deliver my children out of the land of Egypt. But, but Moses had difficulty engaging with this because, you know, it was not like a smart, uh, a smart uh, goal. You know what a smart goal is? It must be specific, measurable, achievable. Yeah? Is it results-oriented or realistic and time-bound? God was saying that you, Moses, are going to deliver my children. He didn't have an army, and he was going to be confronting uh, the largest army on earth at the time. There's nothing wrong with smart goals, but, but it's important that we understand that when God gives you revelation about who you are, it's always bigger than who you think you are. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So Moses begins to say, how is this possible? And in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, And Moses answered and said to God, Suppose they do not believe or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord hasn't appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Moses was looking at the enormity of what God was saying to him. And he frankly did not believe it. He was thinking, I don't have the resources. I don't have what it takes to achieve what you are calling me to achieve. You know, a lot of times, every time the Lord even begins to give us revelation, we shoot it down because we we don't believe that that is who we are. Because, you know, we know who we are after all. We know our limitations. If you are lucky, your wife will tell you or your husband will tell you your limitations. If you are even luckier, your parents will stand, you know, as you are, as you are being raised, they will, they will define your limitations to you. So when God begins to speak to you, you shoot it down immediately because that's not who you are. That's what Moses was doing here. God was speaking to him about who he was. God was giving him revelation about who he was to give him wisdom to release the power that was already in his hand and Moses shut it down. Moses said it is impossible and God asked him a simple question, what is that in your hand? Moses said it is a rod. God said cast it down and the rod became a snake and Moses fled from it. I believe that God has put a grace in your hand. If you will only cast down your rod, it will release the supernatural power of God. How long do you think Moses had had that rod in his hand? How long do you think? I'm sure he had that rod for at least 40 years because that was essentially like a shepherd's rod and he had been a shepherd for 40 years. He had been walking around with this rod for 40 years 
He had been using this rod to lead sheep. Not realizing that there is an operation of the same rod that will subdue kingdoms and bring liberty to the oppressed. The rod did not become miraculous when God said cast it down. That was revelation. Revelation always unveils what is already there. Moses had that rod in his hand. That rod was all he needed. But there is a wisdom to release the power in the rod. There is grace in your hand. You know, Jesus said in John 12, 24, he said, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth much fruit. So every seed has the capacity to produce much fruit. But there needs to be a release. It needs to fall to the ground. It needs to die. It needs to die. God said, what is that in your hand? And I believe if God appeared to you today, and you stood before him and said, God, uh, I, I, need my, I need the way forward. God, I need you to help me with this and I need you to help me with that. God will say to you, what is that in your hand? I believe that you and I need to examine the rod we have in our hands. In the same chapter 4 of Exodus 4, God said to Moses, he said, you shall take this rod in your hands and with it you shall do the signs. You know, it's a very simple equation. Is God true or is he a liar? The Lord is true, isn't he? Now, he said in his word that you are fruitful. Now, fruit always speaks about seed, does it not? So, he's saying that there are seeds on the inside of you. You are fruitful. Hallelujah. And, and uh, uh, that means that everything I need has already been given. Is that not correct? God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? And you could see that Moses thought this was not enough to do what God was telling him to do. But there is a power in that rod that if you release it, it will subdue kingdoms. And God was going to teach Moses how to do it. And he said again in that chapter that with this same rod you will do the signs. Isaiah said, I and the children that God has given me are for signs and for wonders. You are for a sign and you are for a wonder. If you will recognize the rod in your hand and you understand the wisdom to release its power, you will do signs in the earth. So Moses goes to Pharaoh with the rod. And if you follow the story, Moses casts down the rod before Pharaoh and it becomes a serpent. And it swallows up the serpents of all the other magicians. And then he takes the rod and strikes the Nile and it becomes filled with blood. And he stretches the rod over Egypt and flogs and lice began to come out of the vegetation. The rod of Moses that had been in his hand for 40 years, when he understood the wisdom of God in that rod, he released supernatural power and great glory was given to God as a result. It released people from oppression. There is a rod in your hand that will release people from oppression. And then after he leads them out of the land of Egypt and he leads them in the wilderness, something interesting happens when they were confronted with uh, the Amalekites in Exodus 17. You know the story where, you know, they had to, um, they were facing, and they faced a lot of challenges. But in this particular story or on this particular occasion, you know, Moses said, you know, I'm going to go up the mountain. I'm going to lift the rod. And when I lift the rod, 
you know, when I lift that rod of authority, um, you guys will prevail. But what I find interesting, and, and he did, and they did, but what I find interesting about this was what Moses actually said. If you look at um, Exodus 17, verse 8, it says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with what? With what? With the rod of God in my hand. Wow. It was the rod of Moses, but it was the rod of God. It was the rod of Moses. Moses had been given this rod. But Moses, through insight and wisdom, had begun to recognize that this is not from me. Just because it's been given to me doesn't mean it is from me. This is the, word, the rod of God. If it is the rod of God, then when it is used, it will release the potency of the divine. If it is the rod of God, when it is used, it will release the power of God himself. And nothing will be impossible to you. Moses said, it is the rod of God. Hallelujah. It is the rod of God. So when God said to you, be fruitful and multiply, he has put within your hand a rod. He has put grace in your hand. There is a wisdom to unlock the power of that grace. Because grace is not your grace, it is the grace of God. Grace always speaks about something that is not from this sphere. It is not in this dimension. It is something that has come from the throne of God himself. The grace of God is the power of God to achieve his purpose in your life and to meet his need in your life. You know when God's grace is at work, it doesn't just... Make sure you have just enough. You have more than enough. Because it is the power of God at work in your life. And it has already been given. And God is beyond definition. So everything that comes from him is beyond limitation. God is beyond definition. Everything that comes from him is beyond limitation. You have grace in your hands. But there is a wisdom to release that grace. The first wisdom is in understanding the phrase be fruitful. The first wisdom is to understand that every fruit has a name. Seems pretty basic, doesn't it? You don't get to name your seed here. Yeah, Every fruit has a name. You can't decide what you are naming it. It is what it is. Are you with me? So when he said be fruitful or you are fruitful, you need to understand the name of your fruit. If you want to release God's power in your life and experience the fruitfulness that he has ordained for you, you need to understand the name of your fruit. Say to your neighbor, what, what is the name of your fruit? And wait for a response. Every fruit has a name. Now, now look at um, the book of um, Galatians chapter 6 verse 4. I'm going to read the message Bible translation of this. You know, the, the times we are living in are too important for you to waste time. Are you with me? They're, they're too important. You know, the Bible says in Acts 17 that the time of your birth has been predestined by God. And the sphere of your dwelling, the place that you dwell has been predestined by God. Now, the reason why God will predestine for you to be born in Nigeria is because through you is a package that is a solution to a problem. That is the reason why you are predestined to be here. Because in you is a package. God loves the earth. God loves the world. God loves this nation. And in this time of darkness, he has orchestrated light in the midst of darkness. So in you is a package to bring a solution. Because you are the light of the world. So it is important in these important times to understand what fruit you are. Now Galatians chapter 6 verse 4 
It says, make a careful exploration. You know, this is where it begins. I can save you many hours of prayer. Prayer is important and will always be important. But you, may, you, you might as well be praying in the right direction. I will save you many hours of fasting. Fasting is important. There is a power in fasting that must be released. But you know, a lot of times we fast about things that we don't need to fast about. Uh, are you with me? Let, let us put our fasting energy in the right direction. It begins here. It says, make a careful, everyone say careful. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. You know, we, some people, I, don't, I won't say we, I find it interesting how people can say a lot of people and they have not done any research. But I can say that some people feel that being a Christian, that once you come into Christ, you let go of your brain and your cognitive faculties. You know, God has done everything so I didn't need to do nothing. And we just pray and just ask God to do, make everything work and he makes it work. How many of you have discovered that that's a lie? Yes, we are in the grace of God, but the grace, you know, we, we've preached the message that uh, work is not a bad word. It's not a bad word. There's a difference between work and toil. We have been called to work, haven't we? Because the Bible says that we are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus, which God has before ordained that we should work in them to do good works. They are works that have been, you have been ordained to carry out in the power and the grace of God. But sometimes we think that being, being a Christian means that you don't need wisdom. Well, you didn't learn that from God. Because the Bible says that he built the world and established it through knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Now he says here, make a careful exploration of who you are. Now, the reason why you need a careful exploration is because you are not everybody. You are not everybody. Yeah? You don't have every fruit. All right? So, it is your job to make a careful exploration. Be careful with this thing. Because if you're not careful, you will, miss, you will just miss your whole direction. You will start working instead of allowing the power of God's grace to be manifest in your life. There is, an, there is something in you that has come from God. And when that thing is released, the world will celebrate you. The world is not going to celebrate you in every endeavor, no. The world will only celebrate you in the place where God is in manifestation in your life. And there is a place, there's a place of grace for everybody. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. Which means that you have not been given every work. And then he says, sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Because it is the grace of God that is at work within you. Don't see a demonstration and say, well, I too have done enough. When you are comparing yourself with other people. Because it is the grace of God that is at work in your life that determines uh, how far you can go. Don't let others determine how far you can go. You are meant to be a steward of the grace that is already at work within you. He said, don't be impressed with yourself. And don't compare yourself with others. You know, it's like somebody who has a, I mean, a beautiful talent to sing. And then she begins to cultivate that talent and gets impressed with herself. Even though he or she knows that that didn't come from them. It, it, they had a talent and they, they helped define it. But the talent, the grace comes from God. But, but the point I'm making here is... Our first job is to make a careful exploration. You need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. And then you need to know the work you have been given. And that is what you must sink yourself into. If you haven't discovered that, you need to discover it. It is the difference between work and toil. God has not called us to toil. 
And you will toil in the earth if you're not operating in the place where God is already at work in your life. And you discover it by exploration. The first wisdom is to understand that every fruit has a name. Look at Proverbs 12, 11. I am not saying you should resign from your job. I am not saying you should resign from what you are currently doing. But while you are doing what you are doing, make a careful exploration of who you are. Because who you are is your future. Hallelujah. Who you are is your destiny. Who you are is your future. Who you are is your destiny. It is never too late to become who you are. Somebody once said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go and do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. That's what the world needs. People who have come alive. People who have located their place of grace. In Proverbs 12, 11, the New King James says, He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. But he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. So there is a power of fruitfulness that needs to be released in our lives. It comes through knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Now it says that he who tills what? Not the land, but what? His land. He who tills his land. So you need to identify your land and then till it. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. But it has to be your land and you have to be tilling it. There is a land that belongs to you. That God in his love and his grace has given you. I am in my land right now. I remember the last job I ever did. I was doing the work and I was doing well. And I said to them, you know, this is not my land. I didn't say that in those words. I was, do, I was making millions of naira. And as I was doing the work... You know, it is like washing your feet with your socks on. You are washing your feet, but you know there is a problem somewhere. You know, you need to locate your land and you need to till it. I am in my land. Are you in yours? I I said to them, you know, I'm sorry. And I was doing a good job. In fact, they were very sorry to lose me. They'll be sorry to lose you, but they have to lose you. Because destiny calls. There is an expression of your life that will release divine power. You don't have to be behind a pulpit. There's an expression of your life. It might be music. It might be in architecture. It might be in oil and gas. It might be in government. There is an expression of your life that will release divine power. You must make a careful exploration of who you are. Who are you? You need to know who you are. You know, you go to a party or you go to a function and they ask, you know, who are you? And instead of telling them who you are, you tell them what you do. Well, I am a... AGM. Is that who you are? Who are you really? He said, he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. You you know, we need to understand how God lives. Anybody that has ever caught through prophetic insight uh, a glimpse of heaven will understand that where God lives is more than enough. There is no lack in heaven. I mean, God's taste is beyond your taste. He's extravagant. But he's not wasteful. God operates in a dimension of light and glory and grace and power and sufficiency beyond earth's definition. So if there's an expression of God's grace in your life, where will it lead you to? Hallelujah. Will it not be more than enough? Would you not have your needs met? Will you not be blessed and become a blessing? Will you not remain humble because you recognize that it didn't come from you? He said, he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. But the person... That follows frivolity. The NIV says that he that chases fantasy lacks judgment. You know, fantasy is when you look and you see somebody else's grass is green. So you think, you know, that is where I need to go. Because if I do what he did, I will have what he has. That is not a, that's not true. That's a fantasy. 
Because if that is not your land and you go across and you try to build a patch of the same kind of grass, his will grow and yours will not. Why? Because he's working his own land. What you need to do is locate your land and work it. Hallelujah. Because that grass that you have been given, he didn't say he's going to give you fruit, he'll give you seeds. Hallelujah. When you water your own seeds and you grow your own seeds, your grass will be as green as everybody else's grass. You know, these two verses ought to be the cornerstone of our hearts and our lives. Grace has already been given. Grace has already been released. You have a rod in your hands. The first wisdom is to understand that every fruit has a name. How do you locate your fruits? Let me say two quick things. You know, in, in the book of um, Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, the Amplified Version says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is oil all the while, effectively at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Everyone say, God is at work within me. You know, I, I went to my office um, yesterday, briefly. I needed to send, out, send an email, and I had my son with me. So I was sending out this email, and he said, Dad, can I have a look at your bookshelf? I said, sure, you can have a look at my bookshelf. Now, my bookshelf has business books. It has all kinds of books, because I read a lot. So as I finished, I was there for about 30 minutes. He had a pile of books in his hands. I said, what are you doing with these books? He said, I want to read them. I said, okay. And then I looked at the books. He went through all my books and he picked out a selection of books that all followed a similar theme. So there was something within him that was moving him in a particular direction. I didn't need to say, no, this is what you are going to do. But there was something within. God is at work within you. God is not far from you. You may not even know him today, but he knows you. You may not love him, but he loves you. Before you came, he implanted seeds within your heart. The Bible says God is already at work within you, giving you the desire to do with his will. There is a desire deep within your heart that is leading you in a particular direction. Pay attention to it. They might say that, you know, they don't make money in that direction. Pay attention to it. Hallelujah. Because he who works his land will be satisfied with bread. Pay attention to the deep desires in your heart. Pay attention to the things you love. And the things that, 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 that really cause you revulsion on the inside. Pay attention to your shape. We talk about shape a lot here. Shape is an acronym. S stands for spiritual gift. H stands for your heart. A stands for your ability. P stands for your personality. E stands for your experiences. There is a shape that you have come with. That, that, that locates your place of operation. Pay attention to the deep desires on the inside of you. Because God is already at work within you. It is culture that tries to frame us in a different direction. Yeah? It is economy that says, no, you have to go this way. No. But God is constantly at work within you. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 12 real quick. Paul says, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. In other words, we're not of those that pat ourselves on the back. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God has appointed us. A sphere that especially includes you. So God has, 
He has appointed you to a sphere. There's your, there is a sphere of operation. And in that sphere, you have, under, you have authority. But he says that you should not compare yourself with yourselves or compare yourselves among themselves. You know, God has not called you to be a slum lord and a village champion. Do you know who a village champion is? A village champion, just because you are the champion among your peers, is not reason why you should pat yourself on the back. It is the grace of God that determines how far you will go. Compare yourself with the vision God has placed on the inside of you. He says we, we don't dare. We dare not compare ourselves by ourselves and amongst ourselves. Don't, you know, some people mitigate themselves. They hold themselves back because they think, you know, I don't want to appear proud. It is, it is pride not to submit to the grace of God in your life. It is pride not to give that graceful expression. When you explode, when you, you manifest the dimension of God's fruitfulness in your life, it will encourage others to do the same in their lives. Stop holding yourself back. Stop making excuses for yourself. Paul says we don't compare ourselves by ourselves. We're not looking to define our lives by those who are around us. We understand that we are wonderfully and, and, and creatively made by God to do a unique thing. And we go single-minded on that vision. He says we dare not do that. We dare not do that. Don't put yourself in a box. Be who, good, who God has called you to be. I like talking about... Um, the great artist, Leonardo da Vinci. When you study his life, you will find out that he was a painter, a sculptor, an architect, a musician, a mathematician, an engineer, inventor, anatomist, a geologist, a cartographer, a botanist, and a writer. Be who you are. Who are you? Just be who you are. You know, I, I, it always tickles me when people know I'm a preacher, and then I start engaging with them on business things, and you can almost see their eyes gloss over. And it's like, you know, but you're a preacher. And I'm like, so what? Why, why can't you be both? If God has given you grace to be both, all right? Don't let others pigeonhole you and define you. Are you with me? Yeah? Embrace the definition that God has given you. If you are just a sculptor, then be a sculptor. If you are a sculptor and an engineer, be both. Don't let people put you in a box. Operate, most importantly, in the land that you have been given. So number one, pay attention to your deep passions. Pay attention to your deep passions. But number two, in locating your land... Listen to those around you. You know, the Bible says that by their fruit, we shall know them. Do you know that it is others that eat your fruit? Do you know you don't eat your own fruit? It is others that think, wow, that is a great apple. All right? So others can really tell you who you are, especially when they don't have a, an ulterior motive. They can help you. They can help. There's a young man who, um, who every time he plays and sings, there's just an anointing that comes upon his life. And, and he, he just ministers to people. And you can tell, there are those who just, you know, pick up the mic and make sure that the weave doesn't, that the weave is well positioned. But all it is, is just some, some words that they are singing. But this guy, he plays and, you know, you can, you can sense the anointing of God. And I said to him one time, I said, young man, you know, man, this is an area that you need to flow in. So I gave him some opportunities to, um, so I gave him some opportunities to sing. And, and when he got the opportunities, for some reason, he went in a different genre. He had some ideas about who he was. And he, you know, he tried to sing in a certain sort of, let me just say R&B genre, you know, something really poppy. And it was just flat. You know, he tried hard. Everything was rhythmical, but there was no power there. We couldn't see divinity there. I said, ah, young man, this is not the direction you should go. Because we that we are eating the fruit, know when fruit is sweet and when it is sour. Yeah? Sometimes we need to listen to those around us. There was a lady I, I spoke to once, you know, she's, she's been looking for work and we've had opportunities to work in the past. And I think she was looking for work in the area of strategy or something. And I said to this young lady, I said, young lady, based on what I have experienced, 
I think you should get into operations because you are, that's, that is who you are. It's all over you. But you know, sometimes we have a desire in a particular direction that is based on uh, something that is not very deep on the inside. And when, when you are manifesting your fruit, listen to those around you uh, who are partakers of that fruit because they will help you realize certain things that even you may not realize. But the first job is to make a careful exploration. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. And sink yourself into it. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. These are days of great glory. These are days of great increase. These are days of great fruitfulness. And this is how we must begin. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for the power of your word. Thank you because your word is helping us today. Thank you because your word is bringing light into darkness. It is bringing inspiration. It is bringing definition into our lives. Holy Spirit, you are already at work within us. As I've spoken this word today, Lord, bring within our hearts again the dreams that you have concerning us. Uh, let our hearts explode with light concerning the dreams you have for us. That we'll be able to begin to make adjustments and walk into this place of grace that you have ordained for us even before the foundations of the world. I don't know if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know the Lord Jesus. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, if you're here this morning and you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, just wave your hand very quickly. I'd like to pray for you. Now, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. As you pray this prayer, you're not praying to man, you're praying to God. And as you mean it in your heart and you look toward God, God will answer that prayer and He'll come and live in your life. Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for bringing me here today. I thank you for drawing me to yourself. This day, I acknowledge, I recognize that I cannot save myself. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I need a savior. My father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me on the cross. This day, I invite Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I turn my back to sin. I turn my back to the devil. I turn my back to the systems of the world. I turn toward you, O oh God. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive my sin. Fill me with your power. Teach me how to live a life that pleases you. I call upon you today as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that you accept me today. I thank you that I'm now your child. I am born again today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.